Welcome to King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. So last week we spoke about the betrayal of Jesus, Judas, uh, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ, chosen by Jesus Christ, ultimately hands him over to the authorities in what we would consider quite a shallow way, meeting them in the garden and greeting him with a kiss, which of course was common in that day and in that culture, uh, calling him rabbi. Jesus questions them to a certain extent. I've been public, you know where I've been, and this is how you're going to take me. Do what you've come to do. Peter, passionate, always striving to stop Jesus from what he wants to do, (laughs) takes a sword and cuts off the servant's ear. And for me last week, one of the most powerful images is this balance of power. Jesus declares to them, I have the authority to call down 12 legions of angels, which is a lot of legions. In essence, I could crush you, little man, (laughs) but I'm choosing not to. How does he choose to show his power? In healing the servant, which is so Jesus, isn't it? It's so Jesus because let's unpack that for a moment. It's a servant. Not anyone important, not even important enough to name their name. It's just an ear. (laughs) Right? Easy to say when you have two, just so you know. Uh, But Jesus takes time out of this dark moment to show who Jesus is, to show his true power. Compassion, mercy, healing. And then, of course, they take Jesus away, and the story continues. So if you could turn to Matthew 26, starting with verse 69. What we're going to see today is... Another prophecy fulfilled. What we're going to see today is another prophecy fulfilled. By the way, while you're turning there, I now have two children in their 20s. Can you believe that? Max's birthday was yesterday. That's how old Gail is. She has two children in her 20s. So uh, isn't it funny when your children are a certain age, the birthday, right? All life stops for the birthday. And then they get to a certain age and it's like, hey, it's your birthday. Have a good day. Bye. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you. We'll celebrate next week. Okay. Good. <laughs> so that's kind of how it is for us. We celebrated on Monday. You get your favorite meal on your birthday. Max chose hamburger pie. Mm, my kind of boy. 
I particularly like that he chooses it because Gail nor Noah like it, so we get the whole thing. This has nothing to do with Jesus being denied today. So here we go. Uh, earlier in Matthew, Matthew 26, 34, Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And who is he saying that to? Saying that to Peter, right? And of course, Peter, being Peter, says, you you're talking to me? I'm not going to do it, right? So after the traitorous act, we'd say, of Judas, there's more hurt in store for Jesus. Peter, who earlier confessed Jesus to be God's anointed, remember, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, will now deny Jesus as Savior and King. Yet, Jesus suffers Peter's denial and ours in the way that only Jesus can, willingly for the sake of our lives. So, uh, for the sake of those who are online, oh, Larry's here. Larry's got the microphone. Speak into the microphone, okay? Microphone tutorial 101. When you're handed the microphone and you start talking like this, and the microphone's over here, we can't hear you, okay? Or when you have the microphone here, but it's, it's down here, we can hear you. Own it. All right? There you go. Good. Some of you will feel like you're being chastised. Good. You are. All right. Matthew 26, starting with verse 69. Here we go. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them. Did you ever notice this? For your accent betrays you. He had like a southern drawl. I do not know the man, right? Uh, then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Okay, what did you hear? What was interesting to you? Wait one second. Wait, wait, wait. wait beep, 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 beep. Oh, it's microphone. You, this is the test. You have to set the standard. I, I noticed the uh, emphasis on the swearing and the oath that I hadn't paid too much attention to before. I yeah. just knew he denied him, but I didn't realize there was so much anger. And yeah. Good job on the microphone, by the way. We're going to talk about that. Um, we'll talk about that. Yeah, Kathy. I thought it was interesting that there were two servant girls who had been there that had seen him there. So his 
Keep going, yeah. knew him and followed him and weren't afraid to say they were there too. Yeah, do they say that they were, a girl came up to him and said, you, I don't know that it says that they were actually there. <laughs> well, now you're tempting me to say something while getting in trouble. But uh, people talk, right? So this, this is a big thing. I, it's certainly possible. I'm not suggesting that they weren't there. Um, so it either tells us that they were there with the crowd, right? Or word has gotten out and the story's being told. Either way, you're right. They are bold to say, this is that person there. Isn't this the first uh, racial labeling? Because in the first case, God eyed him, let's see, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean, because of his association with Galilee. And then in the last there, it's just because of your accent. So this is so fascinating. And I was, when I was reading, yeah, the answer is yes. And I was reading up on this because I didn't want the answer to be yes. Because we're, because we're so political these days, right? Um, and so my mind first went to modern politics. But you're right. What they're saying to him is, you're not one of us. And that, for, for them, is, part of that for them then is, makes them makes them guilty, right? It's not just you were there, but you're not from here. <laughs> it's not just that you were there, but you sound different than us. And it is sort of a, a, an eye-opener of what we tend to do as humans, right? That... Um, that we attribute guilt to a wider circle than just someone's action. The other thing it tells us is, or it could tell us is, that in Jerusalem, maybe there wasn't as wide support for him as there was outside of Jerusalem. It's possible, right? Because even on Palm Sunday, he's going into Jerusalem. Those could have been lots of different people because there's always lots of things happening in Jerusalem. So we're getting the sense that people who are from there, they've heard of Jesus, and maybe there's maybe they're sort of questioning who Jesus is. Right? Maybe they're on the side of the chief priests and the scribes. Why wouldn't they be? That's who that's who they work for. That's who they're with all the time. Right? So it's an interesting depth to this issue. Complexity. Yeah, Carmen. This is the traumatized Peter. They had the Last Supper the night before. They have prayed. Suddenly, a group comes upon them. Judas is leading the betrayal. I would think the apostles are fight or flight at this moment. Yeah, well said. I mean, you can, you can, uh, over there, Larry, and, uh, you can imagine the, I'll use the word, hysteria of the situation, right? Um, just the night before, we had this really nice dinner. I mean, Judas kind of messed it up, but everyone's got a relative who comes and messes the dinner up. You kind of just deal with that, right? Um, he leaves, so the dinner goes on, and then it, and then Jesus gives something really beautiful in that meal. And now, and now we're at a point where it's chaos. Not only that, but I don't think it's unreasonable for the disciples to be nervous about their life. They're still trying to figure all this out. 
Remember, we're the Monday morning quarterbacks. We know the story. They're figuring it out. Linda. Um, Linda. In defense of Peter, I I don't even need this. Well, online they need it. Online they need it. Yes. In defense of Peter, I just um, picture a, a confused guy. Here he is. He says his great confession about you are the Christ, and two seconds later, Jesus is saying, Satan, get thee behind me. So he blew that one. Um, <laughs> then he he has this strong statement that he'll, even if he dies with Jesus, um, he will never deny him. And I think it's in the wake of that that he um, cuts off the, you know, I am, I'm brave and I don't care and I'm with Jesus. And then he gets kind of reprimanded for that. Um, uh, then he, you know, out I just think he's confused what he's supposed to do. Yeah, and he is the only one who went to the apparent as far away. But you're a good mom. I, I like Peter. I can see you and Pastor having discussions about your sons, and Pastor saying <laughs> we should ground him and t- cut him off. And you say, "Oh, Warren, he's a good boy. You know, he's just had a bad day." <laughs> I think you're right, Linda. Look. Peter's life has been turned upside down, and he can't catch a break. So much so, remember this, so much so that when Jesus rises from the dead, Peter needs a special invitation. Go tell, what do they say? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Peter's going to need a little V8 here. Sally. Sally. There Back you go. in 35, Back it, in 35, yes. um, all the disciples said what Peter said. On verse 35? <laughs> and all the disciples said the same. I will never. Yes, you're right. Peter said to him, even if I must die for you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Yes. So in the courtyard, are we to assume that Matthew was the writer? And was Matthew the writer? We do believe that Matthew wrote the gospel. Okay. So was he there in the courtyard? Pastor Winterhoff says no. Okay. Because <laughs> he was there too, just so you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Pastor. Although today's your birthday, isn't it? Hey, happy birthday. He was there. <laughs> I'm just We'll come back to you, but Sally, go ahead. I'm just thinking Peter's bearing the brunt. You're a good mom, too. Yeah. Let's blame the other children. Pastor Winterhoff, just say it. I'll repeat it. Right, so Peter gets a little bit of the challenge here because he's there. They've all fled. Right. D. I was going to say that when I read that Peter wept bitterly, I see a broken man, a broken and contrite heart. And isn't that what God says he won't despise? Absolutely. You're right, D. Peter's response to his screw-up is... I would say, more important 
than his screw-up, you know? And, um, and what we learn in that moment is that, that Peter is broken by his sin, and we're going to look at the difference of how Peter deals with his actions compared to how Judas deals with his actions. Gordon, did you want to say something? But Wait for the microphone. I think sometimes people using their mouth get in trouble. <laughs> Many times. They don't, they don't think before they speak. Message received. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And today, by the way, that today it's they don't think before they send either, right? Since uh, we're kind of dissecting this, I've always um, wondered if Peter was alone in the courtyard. John says he was there, or hints in John, what is it, 18, 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. Blah, blah, blah. Is that what it says? Maybe John was the culprit who reported it all. Could be. Some call this, uh, some call this section... The trial of Peter. The trial of Peter. Why do you think that is? Why would we call this the trial of Peter? He sinned and God declared him innocent because he was broken. Yeah. Contrite over what he had done. Yeah, I think, well, certainly the verdict, the verdict is clear, right? Um, here, Peter, as much as we want to defend him, here, Peter has an opportunity to, to be the disciple that Jesus had taught him to be. And to some degree, he fails again. He fails again. But, but yet, he succeeds in showing us the way of repentance. I would suggest to you, too, that uh, for a pastor, this is an easy text to preach. And the temptation here to, to preach is to talk about how we are all like Peter, right? And we all constantly mess up. And we, perhaps hour by hour, in some ways, deny Jesus and his authority in our lives. The challenge then for us is to look at the depth of the denial and to let that also convict us as well. Because I think oftentimes we, like Peter, like we're doing for Peter, we try to find reasons to accept our denial. Or we think it's a surface denial and we neglect how deep, Denying Jesus can cut into our the very fabric of who we are, and that that even that surface denial occurring time and time again becomes deeper and deeper until we find ourselves so apart from God that um, that we're lost. And then we then the question is, do how do we return? So let's get into that a little bit. Um, and yes, Pastor Seltzer reminds us that we can, 
we can look at other texts to help fill in this the story for us. That's the beauty of of the scripture, and I would encourage you to do that. You've got, from here, you've got a basis. Go and read the accounts in the other gospels as well. If you don't know where they are, just Google Peter denies Jesus. They'll all come up there. Pastor Google will tell you. Okay. Uh, so sixty nine and seventy. Let's go to that for a moment. Now Peter was sitting outside the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. Uh, So, first here we have the accusation, you were with Jesus. Um, And the question is kind of begged here, was this servant girl at the arrest? Or has she just heard about it? The answer is, we don't know. Let's not make the Bible say something we don't know, right? Um, The use of Galilean, very interesting here. As I said before, uh, that Jesus isn't one of us. Probably think of the importance of Jerusalem. It's an important city. Still is today. So they might have a high thought process of themselves, right? Uh, In Luke, I'm trying to read my handwriting. Peter Denial here is one of, oh. So what we hear in the other Gospels, and maybe a little more clearly, is that this first denial is more of a repudiation, um, almost like an ignorance. So so let's, we're going to look at the denial in three, to three depths. So the first one kind of comes across as, I don't know what, you, I know what you're talking about. You ever, you ever deny something like that? I have no idea what you mean. I, I, I'm ignorant to this kind of thing. Pleading ignorance. Um, have you ever done that? Have you done that to Jesus? Harder to think, because I'm not sure you've ever said to someone, I don't know Jesus, but maybe you've shown them you don't know Jesus. Right? What does this say about Peter's condition of mind and heart? Well, we talked about that a little bit before, right? We kind of know where Peter is. He's sort of in panic mode to some degree. Um, Don't you find it interesting that in the garden, when a soldier confronts uh, Peter, what does he do? Cuts off the ear. When a servant girl confronts Peter, he caves. Kind of interesting, right? Now, I don't think he'd cut off her ear. That'd be very mean of him. But he was, what we're seeing is, to Dee's point, to Karin's point before, is what we're seeing is sort of the, the deterioration of Peter's heart. In just from the event with the soldier to the event with the servant. He's in decline, if you will. Okay? 71. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. She said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it. This time how? With an oath. 
I'll, I'll do it. Swear to God. Do not know the man. That doesn't say it there. That's, that's how we might, we might say it today, right? Um, I find it interesting, too, what is Peter doing? So if we're, as Pastor Selter says, if we're dissecting this, what do we see Peter doing? There's movement. There's physical movement. He's trying to leave. He's trying to get out. Right? So you're in despair. Your life's reeling out of control. Now someone has said, I recognize you. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Let, pack up the bags. Put the kids in the car. Grab some pretzels. We're out of here. Right? This is kind of where we see him going. Um, here are some things about oaths. Matthew 5, 34 to 37. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head. You cannot make even one hair white or black. I don't know if I agree with that, because I'm, I'm making some white hairs, I'll tell you that. All you need to say is simply, yes or no. Anything beyond comes from who? The evil one. Interesting. So, Peter, who earlier says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, now acts contrary to the will of God by declaring an oath. You see the next level of depth we've gone into the denial? One is sort of, I'm going to say, passive ignorance. The next is, I know better. I know better than to say these words, but I'm going to say them to convince you. Peter knows that this oath swearing is not what he's to be doing. And then the que- we have to beg the question then here, where do we see ourselves in this as well? This was the question that Pastor Beck asked even last week, which is where are we at this point in the story, in our faith journey? Peter underscores his denial with an oath and says, I don't know the man. In Matthew 16, he gives the great confession. In Peter, the fickle nature of our faith is shown. Warts and all. Yet Christ continues the journey, right? So let's, let's pause for a moment. Can you think of time in your life, maybe not now because you go to King of Glory Lutheran Church, um, <laughs> Can you think of time in your life when perhaps in a crowd of people that you were with or with some family members or with some coworkers, you didn't just passively deny your faith, but you emphatically denied it? I got to be honest with you. I don't know that I can think of a way that I said it but I can think of actions over the course of my life where if you saw those replayed on a movie, you'd say, oh, you're a pastor, right? 
Of course, my response to anyone who ever says that to me, because that's been said to me before, and you call yourself a pastor, and I respond by saying, yes, <laughs> and you call yourself a Christian. What's the higher calling, right? Not this. <laughs> that's a little side note, see. So you see where I'm going, though? Can you think of moments in your life where you were by who you were, not just being ignorant to your faith, but flat out saying, not now. It's a great skit that they used to do, uh, a little drama troupe at Concordia, Bronxville. Gail was in it, called In His Name. And they used to do this, this is before we had all these videos to be able to put on screen. We had to actually act it out, right? And um, I think Gail was at a party. This was the skit. Gail was at a party. And... um, Jesus, she's a believer, so Jesus is with her at her house before she goes to the party. And a friend comes in and says, hey, let's go to the party. Sort of like the video we showed the other day. And uh, Jesus is like, I don't think we should go and get Gail. <laughs> Gail, the actress, says, oh, come on, let's go. It doesn't matter. It'll be all right. I'll take you with me. You can be with me. And Jesus says, oh, okay, I'll go with you. And they get to the party. And, of course, at the party, they're doing things that perhaps they shouldn't be doing. And um, in the skit, Gail tries to hide Jesus. You know what? Just stand over here. You stand here. I'm going to go over here. But Jesus constantly wants to go with Gail. And, of course, they make it the party heightened in some way, very appropriately. It's church, right? And uh, finally, to, to stop Jesus from doing anything more, she nails him to the cross. And it kind of gives that illustration to you of how you were saying before that that ultimately Peter's sin is exactly why Jesus is going to the cross, right? And therefore ours is too. Why take all this time? Why take all this time? Because in Lent, what we want to provide for you is an opportunity to clean the house, to clean the temple, and to say, you know what? Yeah, maybe maybe I have done something that was a deeper denial of who Jesus is in my life. And I weep bitterly for that. But there is a path of redemption for it. Isn't this the human struggle? Yeah. Amen. I think I raised three children, and there were Sunday mornings. I wasn't a very good Christian. (laughs) Trying to get them all ready to go and in tune that we need to go. And those are the moments that you look back and say, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Right. It's not very Christian. Right. Yeah. And not just with your children, right? By the way, you did pretty good. They turned out pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I just ran across a, a saying attributed to Aristotle about courage. And it said, Courage, too much of it and you're foolhardy, too little and you're a coward. Mm. We as humans probably go through that in our personality many different times throughout our life. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Larry, Pastor Frelick in the back. Uh, let's take that and use it with confession, right, with, with acknowledging our sin. There are some times that people come into my office and I have to say these words to them. Stop beating yourself up. 
you are you are wallowing. I don't mean that negatively. You're wallowing in a sinful action for which you've been redeemed. Right? That's the one end of courage, right? Other people come to my office and I have to say, you're a sinner. <laughs> you are sinning and this is wrong. You might want to acknowledge this a little bit. I think I'm a little more kind-hearted than that, but, you know, but that's the other end of that. There are some people who are oblivious to their sin. Pastor Fraley. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the most powerful ways I think we can get to this is when you read these texts, exchange your name for Peter's name. Think yeah. about that. Right. That it, we have met, Pogo used to say, we have met the enemy and it is us. Yeah. This is us. Right. This is real. Yeah. Absolutely. And on the other on the other side of that, Pastor, um, Lana Wingate, our parish nurse, she went to a parish nurse conference and um, they were they were uh, encouraged to come back to their churches to sit with their pastors and to read the twenty third Psalm to their pastors with their pastor's name in it. Really powerful. Pastor Winterhoff. The thought comes to me, you know, John said this event would never have been known. Possibly the disciple John spilled the beans or Peter told the church about how deep his sin was. Even though I sinned this much, denying my Lord, he still loves me and forgave me. That, uh, this event could have been hidden. Nobody would ever know about this yeah. unless Peter admitted it. Yeah. About how how grievous yeah. his sin was. Absolutely. It's a gift to us. Yeah. You know, and, you know, how many of us would stand up here and say, well, this is what I have done. Peter was real brave to admit this to the church and say, I'm my Lord and get on a forgiving sinner. Yeah, and I th- thank you, Pastor. And I think that, you know, one thing that we probably have to do a little better at as believers and as the a community, as communities of faith, is that um, when people acknowledge their sin, to commit to following the full path with them. The temptation at times is that someone declares their sin and we cut them off. Now, some people are uh, rebellious in sin, and there are things that are appropriate to do to say, "Listen, until you can acknowledge your sin." But, but oftentimes what I find is, uh, let's, use a, let's use a preacher, right? A preacher has fallen. They've come before their congregation and said, uh, you know, think of these mega church folks, uh, I have sinned and I am in need of God's forgiveness. And the church's response is, you're fired. Um, now, there's, all, there's more to the story. Don't get me wrong. Um, pastors who don't want to follow a path of redemption or a path of healing, that's, there's challenges there too. But even people, let's just use people in our own lives. You, you will engage sinners or you will have sinned, and you'll want, you'll want to say to someone, look, this is something that I've done. It's been in my heart, and I'm not proud of this. To me, the next step would be I want to walk with you to that path of redemption, that moment of redemption. Let's not cut them off right away. On the subject of denying 
Amen. on the subject of denying Christ. Um, at least Peter took the action as been done before. And I think it's safe to assume that he wasn't aiming for his ear. He was willing to die for Christ at that time, time. Either that or he was completely reacting without thinking. Right. If he had been successful, but he's sufficient. And what I know about sword, barely hit the guy. But uh, he could have been dead at that moment, too. I really like to yell at him mm. when it comes to the dying. What did he do? Nothing. Yeah. When you get into a crowd and you say later to yourself, man, should have done something, that was denial. You should have said something then. So I think what hurts us a lot is now not doing what good. Mm. Not necessarily outwardly denying Christ, but not taking action where we should. Uh, that's where the other ten were at. Uh, Pastor Seltzer, and then Sally. I, I don't disagree with you. I think there are times that it's important as Christians that we answer the call of Christ. But in that situation, the lesson is Peter wasn't supposed to do anything. <laughs> he's, he is reprimanded by Jesus for what he's done. Um, and so it's that balance of knowing how to respond, right, in those situations. John? I think... Um... Looking, to, looking at the long view, since we're a Monday morning quarterback kind of thing, yeah. we look at Peter and see one of the two primary leaders of the church at that time, Peter and Paul. And my goodness, how both of them had been l leveled to the core of uh, total need of being retooled and refashioned. And for Peter, it's a fashioning, a refashioning of a leader that's going on. He, he certainly didn't see it that way at that time. And being gifted with mercy and humility, which others would need as well from a leader in their pursuit of a faith in Christ. And so when I get knocked down, I want to try to remember that, okay, God, I know you're in the involved in this because I have denied or betrayed you in some way. Um, I, I hope I can remember how are you gifting me or how could you use this because otherwise it's yeah. totally you're discarding me. Right. There's purpose. On Sunday, Sally, and then we have to wrap up. On Sunday we'll be talking about yielding to God. The road sign is yield. And some of that is in there, that, that, that even in the moment of our, of, even the lowest moment of our life, to have faith, and this, by the way, is the difference between Peter and Judas, to have faith that, uh, that God will do something with this and that it will be, and, and that it will be good, Right? Sally. Back to putting ourselves in the story. Yeah. The thing that, that kept 
went. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No words. No words. No words. Just the look. You should paint that. Did you? I'd like to see it. Yeah. <laughs> 73, 74. There's one more level of denial we got to get to. After a little while, who comes up? The bystanders. Certainly you too are one of them. Why? For your accent betrays you. Then I love, by the way, when visitors come to church and they're from like Germany or, you know, Russia or wherever. And I'll say, your, is your accent, is that South Texas? You know, and uh, they look at me like, what are you crazy? And then he began to invoke a curse on himself and swear. I do not know the man. Here's something from something I read for you. As soon as he opens his mouth, it is clear that he does not belong to Jerusalem. A different dialect of Aramaic was spoken in Galilee. And Judeans made fun of the pronunciations and the consonant, cons, consonants that Galileans, how Galileans said. Peter's northern accent, oh, I said southern before, sorry, especially especially in the uh, high priest's courtyard, marked him out as, quote, one of them. Or not one of us, right? Uh, so Peter swears a curse. It's interesting. Here it's very clear what the curse is. There are some who question the curse. Is Peter cursing the people? Is Peter cursing himself? Here, this says he is cursing himself. Is Peter cursing Jesus? That might be too far, right? I thought you would find this interesting, some of you history buffs. Uh, Pliny, 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 P-L-I-N-Y. How was his name? Pliny? There, yeah. Like I said, Pliny, right? Uh, he required those accused of being Christians to curse Jesus to prove that they weren't Christians. Interesting, isn't it? So you, you've been accused of Christianity. If you're not a Christian, curse God. You curse this Jesus. A lot of people died for that. A lot of people didn't die for that. <laughs> Interesting enough, right? Um, Galatians 1, 8, 9. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than that the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than that, other than that would you accept it? Let them be under God's curse. First Corinthians sixteen twenty two. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Now, First uh, Corinthians twelve three. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So we would say that G Peter is not cursing Jesus, but probably himself in a sign of desperation uh, as well. Once he does that, what happens? The prophecy is fulfilled, and uh, they go on their way. So here's uh, something for you from the folks that we've been using this guide from. In Luke's version of the third denial, he includes that Jesus turned away and made eye contact with Peter. There you go. The verb used here suggests an intent, fixed look. 
He shouldn't assume that this was a stern, angry look, but one that supplied Peter with a certain degree of Jesus' unfailing kindness and mercy. This is the problem with these things. You don't know that. Even as he spoke to Peter in his coming denial, he also imparted words of the gospel for him. All right. Jesus is, by the way, I want to really press upon you to not make the scriptures say something the scriptures don't say. Okay? So all we know really is that he looked. And I I view it the way you do, Sally, which was, ouch. (laughs) Right? Um, That said, we know the end of the story. And the end of the story is that although Jesus is the king denied, and although we've turned our backs on Jesus, and although there are times that we flippantly say with our lives that we don't know Jesus, sometimes we're emphatic by how we're living or what we're doing. And perhaps maybe there was a time in your life where you were totally anti-Jesus. The end of that story is Jesus still wants you. And if you can see in yourself that sinful nature and let Peter be a witness of that convicted spirit, have you ever wept bitterly for your sins? That's not a sign of faith or faithlessness. I'm just wondering, have you ever considered the enormity of your sin so much that it brought you to tears? Have you ever sat on Ash Wednesday and looked at that ash or went home and looked at the mirror and said, that's the enormity of who I am on my own. It's pretty deep. And yet, God remains faithful to you. He continues on to the cross out of love for you. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. 2 Timothy 2.13. So rejoice this day. You are the redeemed, loved by God. And I would say to you, acknowledge your sin and return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Amen. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org. 